Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. We have been going through the gospel ecosystem over the last four or five weeks, and today we're going to wrap that up. We're going to finish um, with the last part of the ecosystem. So, again, to set us in the uh, framework there, uh, there's something about a mission, a mission or a cause that can draw people in, isn't there, when you think about that? You think about a mission or a cause, it just tends to draw people in. If you hear about uh, a pot of stranded whales on, on a shoreline somewhere, it's amazing how quickly that draws people in and like hundreds of people within hours can get down there on this mission to save and to rescue these whales, to stop them from drowning. It's like it's the need and the suffering of these animals that just draws people into this mission and they go and they get on board and they try and rescue them. Yeah, the sad thing is often those whales can turn back around and just beach themselves again sometimes, but still the people are drawn in by that cause or that mission. God also gives us a mission, a rescue mission of salvation of far, Lord, far larger proportions than whales. Now, sure, we want to save the whales, I'm all for that. But God gives us another rescue mission of far larger proportions than saving the whales, which is the rescue mission of saving humans. That's what God's going to draw us into as we think about that today, as we come to this last part of the gospel ecosystem. So if you've got your Bibles, please uh, go with me to Luke 24. We're going to read through um, verses 44 through to 53 as we think about that uh, today. Okay, starting in verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Father, we thank you so much that we can gather together this morning. We thank you also that you've given us your spirit, you've given us your word. We ask and pray today that Holy Spirit, you'll work in that word right now to refresh our hearts in this glorious mission that you've given us. A mission of challenge and a mission of difficulty, but a mission of great joy as we see your kingdom grow and extend. Please open this up into our hearts now, we pray, as we think about this and apply this to our hearts and lives. And Lord, we ask that, we pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Very familiar passage I've read there um, out of Luke. It's just after the resurrection where Jesus has been crucified on the cross. Uh, he's been now resurrected from the grave and he's come back to meet with his disciples as we, as we just saw them. And it's like Jesus' last words in the flesh, physically with those disciples before he ascends back to heaven, which we saw that in those remaining verses where Jesus just, uh, goes back to heaven. 
It's the Great Commission. You'll know that as the Great Commission. It's also a vital part of God's ecosystem where he grows us and grows his kingdom as well. So what we've done so far as we think about this ecosystem is this. It's been a foundation of God's word and God's spirit working in tandem that permeates all of our lives. Good stuff, Sharon. So that sits at the bottom there. That underpins everything we do in God's ecosystem. Then we saw the love of God seeing all of life as prayerful worship and live for his glory. Then we saw that God places us into a community both to receive and give his love to all people living in holiness. God places in this community. And then last week we saw that we've been gifted by God with all ranges of talents and abilities to serve Jesus and to serve others within that community as well. And now today, do you see that final piece of the puzzle, you might say, or the building or the, or the hothouse put in there? Today we complete the ecosystem by seeing that God has called us to his mission, where we are on mission with Jesus, carrying out God's grand mission story to rescue and save people. In effect, that is what the Bible is about from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. It is God's grand rescue story of saving fallen, lost sinners. And he calls us into that same story now to carry that out. Now, the Great Commission isn't something unique just to Luke in that passage we just read then. Actually, all four accounts of the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, all have a Great Commission passage in them. Matthew has chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Luke, we've just read. Uh, Mark has chapter 16, verses 14 to 18. And even John has the Great Commission in a smaller way in John chapter 20, verses 21 to 23. All the Gospel accounts record for us the Great Commission. It's without a doubt that the Holy Spirit's tried to communicate something to us. He didn't just mention it once in one gospel account. It's in all four accounts. There's a mission here that we've been called to. A mission of salvation and rescue for people who are perishing. So let's just dig in today and look at this passage here to see what Jesus is telling us as he's told the disciples back then 2,000 years ago about this mission. The first thing Jesus tells his disciples is they have a message to proclaim. They have news that needs to be announced as a central part of this mission. Have a look in verse 46, in the first part of 47, it says this, And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. Okay, so Jesus is giving them a message. In the previous two verses, he's actually just opened up to them, showing them how the scriptures all speak about Christ. From Genesis right through to Revelation, there's a central focus there on the person of Jesus Christ, revealing who he is and his mission and his cause for coming to this world. He's opened them up and now that Jesus says this, here's the message of this mission. Here's what you are to proclaim. Here's what you are to announce. Here's what you are to tell people of this good news. And he starts here by saying, it's God's Messiah. His chosen servant has come to suffer and to die to pay the price of our sins. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer. He's saying it has been written by the Lord. And this same Jesus, this same Messiah has also risen from the dead on the third day. He's not a dead Christ or a dead Messiah. He's a risen Messiah, risen on the third day, risen from the grave, that Jesus has conquered sin and death, mankind's 
biggest situational drama in life. And now what must people do? He said, you need to proclaim to them that repentance, that is to turn away from sin, that is to change our minds, that is to turn from living in a sinful way, change the mind about who Jesus is and recognise him as the Lord, change your mind and now come to him for that forgiveness of sins. That's the only place you can find forgiveness of your sins, to receive it through what Christ has done by trusting in him. This is the message that Jesus gives them. It's in a nutshell there, and they will actually explore that out as they go along. But this is the message that we cannot deviate from either. As much as it may sound perhaps embarrassing or strange, am I going to tell somebody that somebody died 2,000 years ago and that's going to pay the price of their sins and you've got to put your trust in him? That doesn't sound really technical, does it? It doesn't sound sort of like 22nd century or 21st century. That's the message that Jesus gave to us. That's what we are to proclaim. And sure, we need to be careful how we do communicate that message, but must never shy away or be embarrassed about the truth that that is. That's what Jesus told the apostles back then. That's what we are to proclaim today. He says, proclaim this. Announce this. Make it public. Spread it widely. Really, it should be the, new, the leading news story every night on the television news. That's what it should be. It's the good news that we could proclaim that Jesus has come and rescued us for eternity. We don't see it as the leading news story, but that's exactly what it should be. Jesus says, proclaim this, announce this message. Jesus has also given us a program for this mission as well. It's where he wants it to go. It's where he wants it to be. Have a look in the last part of verse 47. He says there, and, the, and that the repentance of, for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. Where are we going to proclaim that? What does Jesus say? He says, to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Jesus has a program here where he wants this message to go. To all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. This mission has a worldwide scope. That's the very reason here that we support Damien and Hannah Tanner going to France to do language school, then eventually to Mauritius to do um, where they'll be based for their full-time occupation. And the reason why we support John and Jenny Davidson over in Carnarvon, working with the Aboriginal people in Western Australia. This mission has a broad scope. And if you think about that word there, all nations, it actually echoes God's original blessing to Abraham right back in Genesis, that the seed that will come through Abraham will be a blessing to all the nations. This is God fulfilling his purposes. It's a program that starts and is worldwide in its scope. But notice there it starts locally with these disciples, beginning in Jerusalem. 2,000 years ago, that's where it started with them, and it moved out from there, and it eventually got to Australia. And have you guess what? For us today, that same mission is for us, and it starts locally. It starts in Shepparton, and it goes through the Goulburn Valley, and out and beyond. It's a scope. It's a place. It's where Jesus has called us to, to be on mission, so that people can hear this saving message of the gospel. Jesus gives them the scope and the program where this is meant to go. He gives them an authority as well. 
It's not just something of their own bad, it's something that Jesus gives them an authority with here too. The disciples had first-hand accounts of what took place with Christ. They saw his life, they saw his death, and they saw his resurrection as well. Have a look in verse 48, and this is what Jesus says. He says, you are witnesses of these things. You saw this. You were first-hand account of this. Jesus had chosen specifically who would see him and recognize him as the risen Lord and Savior. Not everybody recognized him and saw him, but Jesus specifically chose certain people. In this, Jesus is saying, I've entrusted to you my personal authority to witness all these events about me. You witness these things, Jesus said. There's an authority in there. You actually saw that. So in this authority, you can now go out and carry on that same mission in the authority of witnessing these events, witnessing the risen Christ. We too have a similar authority. The same spirit that indwelt those disciples who witnessed the uh, the resurrected Christ is the same spirit that indwells our hearts as followers of Jesus. That also bears witness to us of the risen Christ. We go out with that same authority. We believe in the risen Christ. His word tells us that. So with that authority, we can proclaim that truth. It's true. Under the authority of God's word, it's true. We have that authority to carry out that mission. Jesus knows our weaknesses better than we know ourselves. So in this mission as well, he understands we need power to carry out this mission. This is the fourth thing that Jesus says here as he gives this great commission to his disciples and us today. Jesus knows that the mission of the gospel in a darkened world will be filled with a whole range of challenges and difficulties. It's not easy. It doesn't just happen. It requires effort, it requires hard work, it requires us to overcome our fears, it requires us to grow our love for others. Jesus knows also that we have an enemy in Satan who is doing all he can to push back against the message of the gospel, to push back against the Great Commission and to snuff it out. Jesus understands all those things. So Jesus says, you need to be clothed with power. You need something within you that will actually carry you for this mission. And that's exactly what Jesus says in the next verse. In verse 49, he says this, And behold, to the disciples, they're not yet filled with that power, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So go, go back to Jerusalem, go back to the upper room, go and wait. And what happens? This becomes the indwelling and the empowering presence of God's Spirit living inside of them. Now that's an astounding truth that if you're a follower of Jesus, truly trusting him, God's spirit abides in your heart, dwells in your heart, empowers you for this witness. We have the presence of God living inside of us, equipping us and enabling us to carry out this mission. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff. So what has Jesus got there? He's given us a message. He's given us a program. He's given us an authority of witness. And he's now given us a power to carry out this mission. Go, Jesus says, go and carry this out. Now that's, that's the passage. As we just sort of step through that there, what Jesus is saying. Now for some of you, this could be, well... 
tell me something I don't know. I've read that before a hundred times, maybe 200 times. Tell me something I don't know. Tell me something new about that. Or others of you might say, I've never heard that before. Is that really true? Has Jesus given us a mission? And maybe others might be saying, well, I know the Great Commission. Yeah, I know that truth there. But I haven't seen it as a really deep conviction in my life. I sort of know it, but it hasn't really gripped me that actually that's part of who I am now or part of what it is to follow Jesus. So as we think about that passage and reflect on that, I want to just share some thoughts and reflections here on this glorious mission that Christ has given us. Firstly, let's be really clear here, crystal clear, that Jesus has called every single follower of of him to this mission. No exceptions. We will do it in different ways and in different aspects, but Jesus has called every single follower of him onto this mission. What Jesus spelled out 2,000 years ago wasn't just for the disciples back then. It's the ongoing mission of the church until the time that Jesus returns. So the church made up of the people of Christ are on this mission. And when Jesus returns to bring judgment the second time to judge the world, then the mission will be over. Because after that point, there will be no more salvation when Jesus returns for the second time. But up until that point, it's us. So let's be really clear here, that message is for us. Now there are many, many good causes around this world. Many good causes. I've seen these ones, rescuing girls from sex trafficking trafficking around the world. Feeding the starving people who are living on the margins of life. Or or bringing peace to war-torn countries. They are very powerful missions and very worthy of our support. But this mission of the gospel that is for every single believer stands out far above all of those other missions I've just spoken about. They're good things, don't get me wrong, and we should be supporting them and getting behind them. But you can free girls from sex trafficking, you can feed the starving, and you can bring peace to war-torn countries. Yet if those people do not turn to Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and hear the message of the gospel and put their trust in him, They might be freed from all those other things, but if they don't do that, they will face his judgment at the end of the day. The mission of the gospel stands far and above every other mission that we could possibly think of in this world. The mission of the gospel saves people from their sins for eternity and to enjoy Jesus forever. Lots of missions are in this world, but the mission, the Great Commission, stands far above them all. There's nothing else on this earth that can match the eternal context that we speak into as we think about what Jesus has given to us. Let's think about this. What happens if we aren't a people or a church on gospel mission? What happens if we just push it to the side, we're not going to do it either as an individual or as a church? Here's what I think happens. We run the risk of just becoming a club if we're not on mission. We'll meet on Sunday and we'll meet midweek and we'll enjoy our time together. We'll have a cup of tea and a cup of coffee and we'll talk about the weather, we'll talk about the sport, we'll talk about whatever and we won't think about the mission. That won't even come up in our minds at all. We'll be a social group enjoying each other's company and we'll actually become a club. Now, 
Unfortunately, a number of mainline churches, we've seen that happen to them over the years, over the decades around Australia. Once for what thriving, gospel-healthy churches have actually just become traditional clubs. Traditional clubs. And they've lost their way in gospel mission. And what happens eventually with that type of a church, or that type of a group of people, or that club, it'll die out one day. It will just simply die out. And we have many churches around Australia that have lost touch with the gospel and they're slowly dying of old age. You go visit some of those sometimes. The average age is somewhere around 60 or 70. Put another 20 years on those people in those churches and those churches won't be there. They won't be there. There's been a stack of churches that have closed down in the Shepparton area over the last 20 years. They, they became clubs. They became clubs. It's been said this before, that when a church is like this, just meeting as a social group or as a club, we've actually stopped being a lifeboat and we've become a cruise ship. And there's a significant difference in that. The lifeboat's out there rescuing people in, pulling them out of the ocean of brokenness, and the cruise ship's just sailing to glory. Just forgetting about all those people out there that are drowning in the brokenness of their sin. We run that risk. The church doesn't grow, it shrinks and it dies. When we lose sight of the mission that Jesus has given us, if we begin to put that aside and we're not going to embrace that mission, we can easily become inward focused, really inward focused. We might spend more time stressing over the colour of the chairs in the clubhouse than what we will about the dying masses who are outside of the clubhouse, so to speak. We just get focused on everything internal. We forget about the express lane going to hell and the, and the multitude of masses going down that express lane. And we're worried about the colour of the chairs or this or that. We become very inward focused and we, have, we lose that outward focus of what's happening around about us if we don't embrace the mission. If we lose sight of the mission... We also lose both a vision and a love for the lost around about us. We lose a vision of them and we actually lose a love for them as well. That It doesn't grow for us. When the gospel mission isn't front and centre in our lives, we lose sight of our friends, our family and our neighbours. We actually lose sight that they are eternal beings. And that one day they will stand before the Lord and have to give an account of their life. We lose sight of, of the eternal context that every single person is in. We lose sight that every single person will actually live forever if we don't embrace the mission. We lose that vision. We lose that love for them. You see, if the mission of Christ isn't constantly in our minds in some way or form, what will happen is we'll allow other things in the life of here and now, we'll allow those things in to come and crowd out our thinking. We think about everything else and, and we lost sight of those outside. Possibly we could spend more time planning and uh, dreaming about our next holiday than we will actually praying for and maybe trying to look for opportunities to speak to our neighbours or our family or our friends about Jesus. When we become this inward focused, losing the vision for the lost around us. And that doesn't grow any love for anybody when it's like that. We've actually lost our love for these ones and their eternal plight. This can also happen when we lose sight of the mission 
And maybe it's a, it's a consequence of it. Carrying out the mission that Jesus has given us is hard work. It is hard work. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But when we drop the ball on mission and we've taken the easy option, as it were, like saying, it's all too hard, it's too difficult, what I'll do is I'll just quiet my conscience so the Holy Spirit doesn't convict me about it. I'll just quiet my conscience down and then I can live with myself a bit easier. We've actually just taken the easy option or the path of least resistance. If we don't embrace the mission, we just quieten God's voice in our mind, the Spirit telling us that there's an opportunity here you can share. You could say something here. If we just sort of drown that voice out, we just take that easy path and we can sort of live with ourselves then. That's what happens when we don't embrace the mission. Not embracing this mission is living with a very, very, very small vision of who Jesus Christ is. If we don't embrace this mission, we actually have lost sight of what Jesus has done for us in rescuing and saving us. It's a very small vision of Jesus. But if we embrace the mission, we are taking on a very important part here of the gospel ecosystem that God has given to us to grow. God grows us and he stretches us in this mission. Here's a few things that happen when we actually take on this, this mission. As we see people saved and being discipled, it can, it can become very, very messy at church. It can upset the club. It can disturb things. It's a good mess. It's a good disturbance. New believers bring in their brokenness as they're being transformed and things can look a little bit out of hand or things can look a little bit crazy. We need that. We absolutely need that because we want to see people rescued and saved. They're not going to come in all cleaned up and ready to go. That's part of the discipleship process. It's a good thing to have that mess there. It's a good thing to have new people coming in and we should be expecting things to be a bit awkward or a bit uncomfortable or a bit messy. It's also this as we embrace the mission. As we work hard in sacrificial labour in this mission, it's both exciting and it's joyful. Way more exciting and way more joyful than just having a club on a Sunday morning. There's nothing more exciting than joyful than to see people discovering who Jesus is and being awakened to his love for the very first time. It is extremely exciting for that. As we participate with the Holy Spirit in discipling them, we see their life being transformed and being released from their sinful addictions. We see them breaking free from these bondages, these things that have actually held them back in their lives. It's exciting, it's joyful to see that take place. We see their growth in Christ and the joy they find in him and that grows joy in us as we actually see them blossoming and blooming in the gospel. It grows in excitement with us. You've only got to read through the New Testament with Paul and the other apostles, particularly through the book of Acts, and you see there what they knew. They both had pain and they had pleasure right through the book of Acts. The pain was through sacrificial time, energy and money and some of them for their lives as well because many believers were lost their lives through the book of Acts. Through the pain of that and that prayerful labour of the gospel, they saw God's kingdom grow and the same time as that pain, they actually shared the joy of seeing people come to Christ. And here's one thing that's for sure as we see that is the joy that they experienced in the gospel, in Christ and seeing these new people rescued and saved and born again 
far outweigh whatever pain there was. We don't discount the pain, it's there, but it's a joy that overrides that pain in the excitement of seeing people rescued and saved when that mission is taking place and carrying on. Keeping the mission front and centre keeps a love for God and for people growing in us. If we keep that there, that love grows for us. You can't help but see that happen in your life as you carry on that mission. God's mission is extended to me, to see me rescued and saved by Jesus. I actually see that. I appreciate that. I see that Christ has died on the cross for me. I see his love poured out for me at the cross. I appreciate that and his mission. And as a result of that, my love for him grows as I embrace that, as I focus on that. And then that same love that I keep seeing that Jesus has done for me in the mission for me brings a compassion to reach out for others. And it grows. As I keep that there front and centre, my love grows for them and Christ as I embrace this mission he's given to me. Shift gears for a moment. What does it mean to be on mission? You might be thinking, well, Todd, you've said on mission, on mission, on mission, numbers of times here. What do you mean to be on mission as we think about that this morning? I think it means this. It means that I have this mindset So this attitude, this mindset that through the life that God has given me, I'm constantly, constantly looking for opportunities to tell people about Jesus. It's a mindset. It's a constant attitude, looking for opportunities to tell people about Jesus. It's being prayerful about that. Prayerful about this continual looking out, who can I tell about Jesus? It's being wise about that. We live in a challenging world. So it's being wise about when to proclaim the gospel, when to say only so much and then stop. It's still keeping that continual mindset there, but it's actually being wise about that. And it's being alert for that. That's a really big thing in being on mission. It's a continual alertness. Every opportunity, every conversation, every person I'm connecting with, to have this alertness of where could I bring Jesus into this conversation? Who can I love as a good friend and pray that I could share Jesus with? It's this continual alertness here, this continual attitude. Now that doesn't mean you go into every conversation and it's just like you just bust and you get it out, but it may be. But at the same time, there is this thing in the back of your mind, this person's an eternal being, they're my friend, they're my neighbour, they're whoever they are, how can I share Jesus with them? How can I build this connection so I can actually uh, create an opportunity to share Jesus with them? Now this year, if you're part of our Connection Grow Groups, you would have seen we've done two uh, courses this year on evangelism and to put that into action. And Rob's specifically chosen them because this is what this church is about. It's on that mission. So we put that in place to refocus us again. Some training on the mission and then some strategies for the mission. How can we do this? This brings it back to our minds again because we want to connect people to Jesus and to grow people in Jesus. That's the reason why we bring those courses here, to keep us focused on this mission that God has given to us. See, this all forms the gospel ecosystem here. God has given us his word and his spirit. He's filled us with his love and placed us in his community, given us his gifts to serve with, and he's called us into this mission. You can... There it is there. All those things work together. 
like any ecosystem, all these elements are interrelated and interconnected. They all are working together to help grow us and to see God's kingdom grow at the same time. This is where God grows us. Each element is there working, playing its part to sustain us with life and to grow us. If we are deficient in any of those elements that you see, if if we decide, no, I'm going to drop two or three of them off and I'm just going to run on one. If we do any of that, it will hamper our growth. It's just like the human body. What do we need as humans? Uh, We need water, we need oxygen, we need food, and we probably need some rest and sleep. Although some young people don't think they need rest and sleep at times. But they do. We soon work that out. If we cut any of these things off from ourselves, the human body, food or oxygen or water, particularly oxygen, you're not going to go too far. It's no different for the ecosystem. You start to pull any of those planks out of that building, you're not going to grow. Anywhere near the same as how God's intended you to grow. God wants us to grow and he wants us to be committed to this whole process here of the ecosystem that he's given us because it's here that we grow. If we neglect those elements of the ecosystem, it's our own fault. We've actually restricted our own growth because we've decided to pull back out of any one of those elements. We have no one else to blame but ourselves in that case. And don't be surprised if we go backwards in our spiritual life, if we just begin to pull any one of those elements out of that situation. Now, as your pastor and as the eldership of the church, we don't want to see anybody deficient in their growth. It's the very reason we go through this ecosystem, because we want people to grow. We want them to actually thrive in Christ. And I'm convinced as we put ourselves into this ecosystem and take all of those things on board that God's given to us, we will grow. We will grow. We will know what life is all about in Christ as we put all those things together in him. Let me just circle back here to the mission as we begin to close. In our um, Exchange Church 2025 vision plan, uh, we had a goal. There are five new converts each year in the plan that we wrote two and a half years ago. Now, I think we've seen three new converts over the last two and a half years since we put that plan into place. We were looking for five each year. So that probably means we should have been around 10 or 12 in that same time period instead of three. Looking for five each year, we only got three in two and a half years. How does that make you feel when you hear that? Well, thankful for the three, yes. Very thankful for the three. How does it make you feel when you think, gee, I only got three? Now, sure, massive disruption in COVID, but probably the last nine months or so has been sort of back to normal. How does that make us feel? I know myself in these last few months, I've had a, a growing discontent, a growing discontent about new conversions. I love seeing the church grow. Don't get me wrong there. And I I love seeing people come and to join and to um, come together and to see the church thrive. But I long for seeing new people come for the first time to discover Christ. It is such a wonderful thing when that happens. But here's my discontent in that. We're not seeing that. We're not seeing this mission, as it were, bear fruit. It's something I want us to see 
in this church is to see fruit born with new conversions. I look at the city of Greater Shepparton around about us, the population is growing all the time around us. Shepparton is growing very fast. The mission field is increasing around us. Lord, how can we see new conversions? How can we see people discovering Christ for the first time? Sometimes for me, this discontent, I, I, I can't put it into words. I can't describe what it is. And I know I feel powerless in so many ways when I, when I look at the masses around about me and I go down the street and I go into the um, marketplace or something like that and you just see people everywhere and you ask yourself, I wonder how many of these people are Christians? Probably percentages would tell me there's 97% aren't Christians. I'm thinking that's a lot of people in this building right now that don't know Christ. And I feel powerless when it's like that. Because I look at the culture around about me as well and I say, they seem so dead and so blind to the gospel. They seem to have just bought all the lies of this world and they're just running after it at a million miles an hour. And I feel helpless in that. I feel like, what can I do, Lord? And yet I'm reminded again that Jesus has called us to mission. He's given us this mission, not only to the disciples 2,000 years ago, but to us today. And I'm reminded that Jesus said he will, he will build his church as well. He's promised that. So I remind myself about the truth of these things. But I get discontented and I think, Lord, where's this going to take me? Where's this going to take us as a church? And for me, this discontent, it actually drives me back to God's ecosystem again. It draws me back into this, what God's given to us. Because I know when I get back into that, I get refocused, as it were, for the mission again. And I don't lose heart. I come back to what God provides through Jesus Christ for me. Again, I come back to the foundation of God's word and spirit working in and through me and awakening me to that mission. I come back to God's love transforming me and every aspect of my life where I do everything for his glory and that love actually begins to refocus me again upon that mission. And then I come back to community, being connected with other people to encourage and be encouraged, to build up and to be built up and to be with people who are actually spurring me on for that mission as well. I come back to that. That grows me in that mission. And then I come back to serving all these elements that God's given to us to serve with and I see God's given us something beautiful here that we can actually serve the community with and when I get all those things working again it begins to refocus my heart on that mission to do it not only individually but corporately and in many respects I think it starts with prayer praying that God's spirit would quicken all those elements to work together to focus my heart on mission and to just get that picture again of the masses who are around about me and ask, Lord, please can you awaken my heart to step out of my comfort zone, to step out of my comfortable life, to step out of the, the rhythms and routines of God and to be looking with a continual alertness, who can I connect people to Jesus with? Who can I do that with? I want us to commit to that again today as another refocus again on what Christ has done for us as we think about this ecosystem and how we cap it off here with this mission. Reaching out to the masses who are around about us who don't know Christ and we want to press on to be that connection point for them. Praying that, Lord, would you use me, would you use us to grow your kingdom, to see people born again, rescued and saved. Let me pray as we 
finish that off. Father, thank you. Thank you today that we can again come back to your word, that we can come back to the end of Luke and we see Jesus giving the Great Commission. Lord, I pray, please renew this in our hearts today. Let it not be just reading through that Great Commission passage again and, as it were, just letting it bounce or slide off us. Help us again, Lord, to see all these things that you've given to us and to uh, recommit ourselves to that mission, recommit ourselves to seeing new conversions, Lord. It is okay to be discontent. It is okay, Lord, to, to feel that longing to see other people come to Christ. We're praying, Holy Spirit, would you begin to just refresh that in our hearts again. Help us to look again at that neighbour who lives alongside of us, that person we sit opposite at at work. The person we connect with in that sporting team or that social activity we're involved in. Help us with new, a new set of eyes to see who they are. That they are an eternal being who will never die. Who will one day stand before the Lord to give an account of their life. Give us that courage, I pray, Holy Spirit. Give us that love and give us that conviction of heart. Individually and corporately we pray, longing to see you lifted up, Jesus, so that you will draw all people to yourself. Please help us in that, Lord, we ask. We pray that now in your name, Jesus. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person. So consider yourself invited to be with us.